Uh, this year has uh, been interesting, a lot of, a lot of uh, unusual nature to the schedule. And so I've, uh, I've gotten two Bible studies in uh, to it, but we're trying to walk through the scriptures in 2021. Our first Bible study, we talked about creation. Uh, we talked about the fall of man. And tonight I want to talk to you about the flood, the flood. We're going to uh, turn our attention to the book of Genesis chapter 6 uh, and uh, verse, beginning with verse number 5. Genesis chapter 6, beginning with verse number 5. And I want to talk to you about the flood. It's important that we understand the context of the scriptures and that we understand our, our Bible. How blessed we are to have the holy word of God uh, as the guide of our life. And as the uh, lamp to our feet, the light to our path. And so tonight we're talking about the flood. There is really no way to, to quantify the, the global, literally the global impact that the flood had. And its effect upon, uh, upon God's creation. And what caused it? What brought it to bear? Uh, what the resulting uh, impact was? But we see in Genesis chapter 6, beginning with verse 5, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. And verse 8, I think, is such a beautiful verse of Scripture. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Hallelujah. So we talked about creation. God created the heaven and the earth. God's word came upon the earth. His spirit moved upon the face of the waters. And God created the earth in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. And he had relationship with man that he had made in his image. And this relationship was a beautiful relationship. It was a communion between God and mankind. Man, of course, as we talked about uh, and as we know, fell, dramatically fell, was disobedient unto the Lord. Uh, there was a deception that came to Eve from the serpent that was the most subtle beast of the field. And the Bible says that she ate of the fruit that was forbidden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was forbidden, but... She saw that it was good for food. She saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. And she saw that it was a tree to be desired to make one wise. And so she determined she would eat of that fruit. The Bible said her husband was with her. And he also ate the fruit. Hers was a matter of deception. Adam's was a matter of disobedience. And it was through the disobedience of Adam that sin entered the world and death by sin. 
So sin entered the world. The opening that gave sin, the, the opening that allowed sin entrance into the world was, was disobedience. That, that, that was the cracking of the door. If you have a, a very excited uh, dog, you know you have to be careful when you crack the door a little bit because uh, he or she are going to make a run for it. Uh, we've got a little puppy, Zach and Anna have Zara, and Zara, uh, she likes to hit that door when the door cracks open, and, uh, and they have a tough time keeping her corralled when that happens. And that's what happened. Adam cracked open the door a little bit, and sin shot through the door and, and got away from from them and, and 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 sin doesn't just come by itself. Listen, sin never comes by itself. That's that's the thing you have to know, and the pulpit must continue to declare to the people: sin never co- travels alone. Sin always brings death with it. People commit sin because they're tempted to commit sin. And then they are surprised when something dies as a result of their sin. And we should not be surprised. The reason that the world is surprised by this is because they've been deceived by the deceiver, the most subtle beast of the field. Death, of course, comes by way of sin. And so now in Genesis chapter 6, there has been an extended period of time where sin and death have ruled and reigned over the earth. The Bible said in one place, death reigned from Adam to Moses. And so death was reigning where man should have reigned. God made man in his image and gave man dominion over the earth. And so man had relinquished that authority and now death was reigning. And so in Genesis 6, we see... That now by this time, sin and death have just made havoc of the earth. They were violent. They were full of debauchery. And they were full of immorality. And the Bible said that it repented the Lord that he made them, that he made man on the earth. This means he was sorry that he made man. That's what it means, that, that it, it bothered him. It really bothered him that he ever created man because of what man had done with the gift God had given him. And the Bible, listen, this really gives us an insight as to God's feelings. How many know God has feelings? You have feelings, God has feelings. You have feelings because you're made in the image of God. This is... This is uh, God can use your feelings for good, but the enemy would like to have dominion over your feelings and torment you with them. Surrender your feelings to God so that you can use your feelings for the glory of the Lord. But you see the feeling that God has concerning the matter of sin and unrighteousness and ungodliness. It repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. It grieved him at his heart. God's heart, the center hub of his feelings, was grieved that he had created man. And he said, I will destroy man. 
whom I have created. From the face of the earth I will destroy him. Both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. That is the word of God. That now is going to happen. Man is going to be destroyed from the face of the earth. Because God said, I will do it. So now man must be destroyed from the face of the earth. And, and the Bible gives us a, a, an understanding of, of how bad things had gotten. There was great uh, 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 decadent immorality that had begun to develop. And the, the statement that every imagination of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. That's how bad it had become on the face of the earth. Every imagination was only evil continually. And to that God said, it repenteth me that I made man. It grieved God at his heart. And to that he said, I will destroy man from the face of the earth and every creeping thing and every beast and every fowl of the air, everything that has in it the breath of life, I will destroy it. That is the pronounced judgment and wrath of God upon mankind. I'm going to tell you something. You wouldn't want to walk down the street in Genesis chapter 6. Every imagination was only evil, continually. There was not a good will among the people of the earth. There was not a well-intentioned act among the people of the earth. Every imagination was only evil, continually. And God said, it repenteth me that I even made man. I will destroy man. And in the middle of a generation where every imagination was only evil continually, we see in the scriptures a man by the name of Noah who somehow found grace Woo. in the eyes of the Lord. Now I'm going to tell you something. I don't want to hear anybody anywhere tell me you can't live for God in the here and now. Well, you don't know my environment. You don't know my circumstances. You don't know how bad things are. Noah lived in a generation where every imagination was only evil continually. It was so bad, God said. I wish I would have never made man. That's how bad it was. And Noah, my Lord have mercy. The Bible calls him a preacher of righteousness. That's the New Testament calls him a preacher of righteousness. There was only one preacher in the whole earth of righteousness in that day, and it was Noah. Noah didn't have a preacher he could go listen to. He was the only preacher of righteousness. There weren't, a, there weren't a plethora, there weren't networks and organizations of, of church-going people 
There weren't people of faith who supported one another. Nobody was meeting for prayer meetings. Nobody was publishing articles decrying the debauchery of the day. There was no organized effort to, to prop one another up and to support one another. There was one preacher of righteousness in the earth. Everybody else was only evil in their heart continually. Every imagination was only evil. And here is a man named Noah who in the middle of that debauched, denigrated, desecrated generation found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You can live for Jesus. You can overcome this present age. You can do it. My goodness. Through the power of Jesus Christ, through his precious blood and his holy word, you can make it. I love the old song Brother Merle Ewing used to sing. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. You've got what it takes to win. And I know that you're going to make it as long as you and Jesus stay friends. Hallelujah. You're going to make it. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. You're going to make it. Don't get spoiled and feel like you have everything coming against you. You have a lot going for you. Noah literally did have everything coming against him. Even God wanted to destroy the whole earth for their terrible sin. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Not only does this passage teach us God's deep grief concerning the matter of sin and unrighteousness, but it teaches us God's overflowing approval of righteousness. His overflowing approval of righteousness. Notice what Genesis chapter 7 and verse 1 said. And the Lord, we're going to talk about what the Lord told Noah to do, but I want to go ahead and jump to Genesis 7 and 1. The Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Hallelujah. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. This teaches us God's overwhelming approval of the matter of righteous living. When a person is righteous before the Lord, even, it, listen, it pacifies God's anger on others. It pacifies God's anger. It causes God to look upon this individual with a great deal of approval and favor and grace. And so Noah is righteous before God, and that's how he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And God, who was at a boiling point saying, I'm going to destroy man and every creeping thing. I'm going to destroy all of it off the face of the earth. But the righteousness of Noah caused him to find grace in the eyes of the Lord. And God said, all right, not you. Everybody but you. Everything but what you select and bring onto the ark. I want you to go grab the beasts of the field and, and the fowls of the air. I want you to go and, 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 and gather together of every living creature, seven of the clean, male and female, two of the unclean, male and female, and I want you to bring them onto the ark so that their seed can remain in the earth. But he said, everything that is upon the earth 
outside of those seven of the clean and two of the unclean, outside of Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives, everything else is going to be destroyed. And the Bible said, the Lord said, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven. And everything that is in the earth shall die. But with Noah will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. Listen, when you live righteous before God, God will have grace upon you and upon your family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That ought to give somebody hope in this house. Oh, God. Oh, God. The Bible describes Lot's righteous soul being vexed by the spirit of Sodom and Gomorrah. This means that Sodom and Gomorrah started getting to Lot. Now, this is several chapters into the book of Genesis further. and We'll get to that later, but, but, but I want to take a moment and point out that that unlike Noah, Lot started to let the culture of Sodom and Gomorrah weigh on him. And his righteous soul became vexed by the filthiness of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, 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 and that can happen to individuals. If you allow yourself to be overexposed to the culture of this world, then, then the, the fallen nature of this world will start weighing on your soul. Start weighing on your heart. Because you will begin to, you'll begin to forget who you are and start drifting into how the world has defined you. And Noah, if he would have listened to his world, he would have thought of himself as no better than an individual who obeyed every fancy of his flesh, every whim of his carnal will. But that's not who he was. God said, I have seen the righteous before me. But don't you drift into the definitions that the world has prepared for you. That will get you judged by God. You begin to accept the label of this world and you will fall into the wrath that is prepared for the labels of this world. Let the Lord define who you are. Let his word tell you who you are. The Lord wants to say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The Lord wants to say to you, I have seen thee righteous before me. The Lord wants to say to you, you have found grace in my eyes. And, and I will make my covenant with you. Hallelujah. I will make my covenant with you. Hallelujah. I want to be in covenant with the Lord. Praise God. And God began to give Noah a foolproof, fell-proof system as to how to escape the wrath that was coming. He began to give him the cubic inches of an ark that would be made of gopher wood. It was important that Noah follow every instruction to the nth degree, if you please. He was to keep every, even the seemingly minute commandments of God. Those commandments that didn't make much sense, he was to keep it all because of his trust in the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11 explains to us how Noah did it. By faith, 
Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I could stop right there, but I'm not. By faith. That's how you, that's how you obey God. By faith. That's how you put your trust in his word. By faith, you believe that God knows best. You trust that God has a plan for your life. You trust that the Lord is in control. You trust his love for you. You trust that God will keep you in all of your ways. By faith, Noah being warned of God. Hear what he was warned of God about. Of things not seen as yet. My Lord, have mercy. That's what we've been preaching for years. We've been preaching things that have not been seen as yet. But don't kid yourself, they're coming. Hallelujah, because Jesus is coming. And you might not have seen the certain things as yet, but Noah, by faith, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, he was moved with fear, and he prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Oh, hallelujah. He prepared an ark, and every, every detail of that ark came directly from the mouth and the wisdom of God. Every detail, every cubic inch, every piece of material, every measurement, every geometric configuration, all that was involved in that ark came directly from the will and the wisdom of Almighty God. Yea, the love of God prepared that ark in the hearing of Noah and Noah followed it to the absolute precise detail. And when he did, he had prepared an ark. An ark that can withstand the flood of God's wrath. An ark that can hold up under the pressures of God's judgment. And I'm going to tell you something. The world that Noah had been a part of, that he had seen with his own eyes, the world that sickened him to the point of serving God exclusively, that he had found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This pressure that he had felt in his world was nothing like the judgment of God that was coming. I want you to know this world in which we're living, you haven't seen anything until you have seen the judgment of God come upon it. And, and I want you to know that the judgment of God is coming upon this world. There is coming a day when the holy city will be compassed about. Where there will be armies. And these are enemy armies. And the holy city, the Bible tells us who the holy city is. He said, come with me. Come up hither. And let me show you the lamb's wife, the bride. And he took me to a high mountain, a great mountain. And he showed me a holy city. The church is the holy city. And the church is what's going to be compassed about. We are not to fear in those moments. We are not to run and hide in those moments. We caught a little glimpse of it this last year. Of how easy it can happen. Of how easy it can develop. How easy the church can become compassed about. But hear what I'm telling you. When God steps into the picture... And pours out his wrath upon those who seek to do harm to the church. You haven't seen anything 
you haven't heard of anything, you haven't experienced anything that can equate to the fire of God's wrath upon those who will do harm to his people. His people don't have to lift a hand. His people don't have to, have to, they don't fight with carnal weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. All we got to do, hallelujah, is prepare an ark. All we've got to do is keep being faithful. All we've got to do is keep on praying, keep on believing, keep on worshiping, keep loving our neighbor as ourselves, keep exalting Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's higher and higher until he is the most high. Woo! Hallelujah. I want you to know we do not fear when the holy city is compassed about because the Lord will fight our battles. All we have to do is say, Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth, and let, tell us what we need to do. And he was moved. Noah was moved with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house. He was moved with fear. We know what that's like. We know what that, that fear feels like. We know what that extra motivation of uneasiness and uncertainty feels like. You know why you feel it? It doesn't mean that you lack faith. It means that you are a human being. How do you respond to fear? You don't run and hide. You don't cower and quit. You don't throw in the towel. No, you prepare an ark to the saving of your house. That's our response to fear. Praise the Lord. We prepare an ark to the saving of our house, and the instructions for that ark come from the Lord. Glory to God. And he gives us those instructions. And Noah followed them. And the Lord said to come, you and your house. And he said, I have seen you righteous before me in this generation. He said, you're going to take seven of the clean beasts, male and female, two of the unclean beasts, male and female. For yet, and here's the number seven again. We know what that means. It, it means the perfecting of God. It's the perfecting of God. For yet seven days and I will cause it to rain upon the earth. Forty days and forty nights. And every living substance, every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. And Noah was six hundred years when the flood of waters was upon the earth. He came to pass after seven days in verse 10 that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. And, and the Bible says in verse 11, the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. This was not just a rain shower. This was not just an extended time of rain. You and I have never seen anything on this scale. We've never seen anything like it. The, it wasn't just rain but the actual windows of heaven were opened up and waters poured upon the earth and the fountains of the great deep broke open the fountains of the great deep broke open and wherever they came from and wherever they were situated they burst through the crevices of the earth and they filled the earth with water and this is the great flood, and it covered every hill 
and it covered the peak of every mountain and everything that lived that God had made that was not in the ark died. It all died. Everything died. And the Bible says that the ark was lifted up above the earth by the water. The water, the effect it had on the ark was different than the effect it had upon the living substances God had made because of how it was created. That's why the details were important. God put a particular curvature on it. God put a particular design into it. God put a particular measurement and certain materials, all of which assisted the ark in responding appropriately to the waters of God's judgment. Don't you know that when God gives us a plan of salvation, that God gives us a plan of salvation because he knows, hallelujah, what will hold us in the time of his great wrath? Hallelujah. He wasn't being petty when he said, do this, this, and this because it's going to keep you and it's going to save you. And that's not, he wasn't being petty. He wasn't trying to cause a doctrinal fight. Listen, when you're sold out to God, there is no doctrinal fight. We just obey him. And it doesn't matter what false teacher says what, we obey him. And it doesn't matter what false doctrine disagrees, we obey him. And it doesn't matter what new heresy comes over the horizon, we obey him. When God says repent, he's trying to put you in the same position Noah was in. When Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. When God saw him as righteous before him in his generation. That's what God was trying to do when he said to us, repent. Hallelujah. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. He was putting us in the ark is what he was doing. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's the ark of the new covenant. Oh, I wish I could preach it like I feel it. Hallelujah. His name is the ark of the new covenant because his name is the only thing that can withstand the onslaught of the wrath of God. Glory to God. There is nothing that can stand up under the power of God's wrath except the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. My good deeds can't stand un under the wrath of God. They're not good enough. My, holy, my holiness can't stand up under the wrath of God. It's not holy enough. My righteousness can't stand up under the wrath of God. It's not righteous enough. All of my purity can't stand up under the wrath of God. I'm not pure enough. But Jesus, I tell you, Moshiach, Jesus, the spotless lamb, the perfect substitute, the great high priest, the advocate we have with the Father, Jesus, the one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. He's the one that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He's the one who is righteous before God in this generation. Thank you, Lord. Woo. Hallelujah. Glory.
Glory to God. He was made of woman, made under the law. God manifests in the flesh. He was built to stand up under the wrath of God. He was made. Hallelujah. Glory, glory to God. He was made for this moment. And if you are going to stand up under the wrath and the judgment and the anger of God, you must be in him the way Noah was in the ark. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God, 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going we're gonna to bring scripture to it. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. That's what he did. He suffered once for sins. The just suffered for the unjust. The just, that's Jesus, suffered for the unjust, that's us. The just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient. Listen to this. When once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing, the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. God wanted to destroy the whole face of the earth while he was waiting for the ark to be prepared. Oh, the patience of God. Oh, the long-suffering of the Lord. All that time it grieved him at his heart. All that time it repented him that he had ever made man. One debauchery, one violence-filled earth, one violent deed after another. He watched it all unfold. The whole time Noah has got the blueprint out frantically trying to build the ark and God withheld his wrath the whole time that the ark was being prepared because he loved Noah and his family. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a-preparing. Wherein, in the ark, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. They were saved by water. What were they saved from? They were saved from the sin of their generation. The water overwhelmed the sinfulness. The water wiped out the violence. The water wiped out the ungodliness. The water drowned all of the viciousness and the uncleanness. They were saved by water. I want you to know that's exactly what happened to me when I went down into the waters of baptism. I went down into those waters of baptism and the water, hallelujah, that I went down in the name of Jesus into that water. And I want you to know that the blood of Jesus washed away the violence, washed away the uncleanness, washed away the unrighteousness, washed away all of the sin and the immorality of my soul. Hallelujah. They were saved by water. The like figure 
whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Being baptized in Jesus' name is not a religious ritual. It is not a mere ceremonial obligation. No, no. You, when you are baptized into that water, you're not just baptized into the water. You're baptized into the name of Jesus Christ by immersion into water in the name of Jesus Christ. And as you go into his name, it's the same as when Noah went into the ark. Hallelujah. I said when you go into that name, it's the same as what happened when Noah entered the ark. God puts you in that name. God wants to get you in that name to save you. God wants to put your family in that name to save your family. God wants to put your co-workers in that name to save your co-workers. That's what the Bible means when it says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is saved. Hallelujah. 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 He wants to save you from the wrath of God. Because the wrath of God is coming. And he has given us instruction. He has made a way of escape for us. The wrath of God is coming. We should not be surprised at the debauchery of our world. Our world is going to continue to spiral into a greater debauchery until the purifying, refining fire of God comes upon this earth. And he has been long-suffering, waiting while the ark is preparing. He is waiting for the last soul to come into the name of Jesus Christ. He's waiting. Oh, don't play games with the patience of God. Don't play games with the long-suffering of God. He's waiting, waiting, waiting until the ark is prepared. And when that door slammed shut in the days of Noah, it was shut for good. And I want you to know the door of this ark will shut. And it will be shut for good and then you will be subject to the judgment and the wrath of God just as they were subjected to the judgment and the wrath of God the Bible gives us a clear insight as to where we're living today and its proximity to where they lived in those days Luke chapter 17 tells the story Verse 26 of Luke 17. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Oh, God. It's going to be in these days, just as it was in those days. They're eating, 
They're drinking. They're being merry. They are marrying wives and given in marriage. This is a reference to sexual promiscuity. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the day of the Son of Man when he shall reveal himself. Until Noah came into the ark and that door was sealed shut. Sealed with so tight a seal that the waters of God's judgment could not penetrate it. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Right now, the name of God is your salvation. Right now, the name of the Lord is your salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I want you to know you want to be on the right side of this sword. When you're on the right side of this sword, you're in a safe place. But when you're on the wrong side of the sword, you are going to be judged like they were judged. Be on the right side of the sword. The Bible says that the cloud stood between the children of Israel and Pharaoh. To the children of Israel, it brought light. And to Pharaoh, it brought darkness. Which side of the cloud are you on? What side of the sword are you on? The day is coming. It's coming, ladies and gentlemen. And it's time right now to be ushered into the name of the Lord because the wrath of God is coming upon this earth. The judgment of the Lord is coming upon this earth. And I want you to know, listen, listen, hear what I'm telling you. That's not where it ends. That's not where it ends. That's not where it ends up for us. We go from that moment where God restores and reconciles and, and, and repairs and recovers his people and then we step into the glorious light of his kingdom. We are trans translated into the kingdom of his dear son you you hear what i'm telling you ladies and gentlemen this is why this was why it was the mercy of god not to destroy noah some people might say why didn't god just wipe it all away in that day and and forget that anything ever happened where he had created man no you you don't understand the things god has prepared for man i hath not seen it ear hath not heard it Neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things that the Lord has prepared for us. Hear what I'm telling you. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there ye may be also. You, you have to understand what, what the Lord has prepared for us. He said, I know the thoughts that I have for you. They're, they're thoughts of peace and not of evil. They're thoughts of goodness. I, I have an expected end for you. You see, God had mercy and grace upon Noah because God wanted so much to give to Noah and to whosoever will. Hallelujah. The glory of his kingdom. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. I want you to know he's not going to destroy the earth with water again. He gave us that promise. He put a rainbow in the sky and said, I'm never going to destroy the earth with water again. The whole earth will never be submerged in water again. But, but there is still a judgment of God that is coming upon the earth. And I want you to know that, that, that until, until he comes... And restores fully his kingdom. We are like Noah. 
looking out the window of the ark, waiting for the waters to assuage. And there, when they assuage and they, they begin to, 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 to go down and they begin to, to, to replete and they, they start to, to go down from where they had been, you see the tops of the mountains and, the, and, and you notice that, that, that the waters of God have assuaged. The Bible said that Noah sent out a raven and the raven just went back to and fro, to and fro, to and fro. Now here's the thing about the raven. The raven is a carnivorous bird. The raven is, is, is symbolic of our flesh. And, and our flesh will eat anything. Our flesh is carnivorous. Its appetite is, is never satisfied. We just, whatever, whatever we get a hold of in our carnal nature, we just, we just take it. If it makes us feel good, that's all that matters to our flesh. But, but the Bible says that the dove, he sent it out once and it came back, but he sent it out again. And when the dove came back, he came back with an olive leaf in its mouth. And that was Noah's understanding. There's life out there. Something's growing out there. Something's being restored out there. <laughs> There's something on the horizon. Hallelujah. Because I see the olive leaf in the dove's mouth. He sent the dove back out. And when the dove went back out, the dove never came back. Which means that it found a place to rest its foot. And he understood that things are being restored. What do we do while we're waiting for the kingdom of God to fully manifest? Because it's already in here. It's already inside of us. We've got it inside this ark. Inside this ark, there's life. Inside this ark, there's living breath. Inside this ark, things are living and moving and operating. But, but we're waiting, hallelujah, for the kingdom to fully manifest. God to fully manifest his kingdom. What do we do? We send the dove to and fro. Let the dove go out and get you something and bring it back. Hallelujah. That dove represents the Holy Ghost. And that olive leaf represents the anointing. What do we do in the meantime? We let the anointing of the Holy Ghost minister to us, operate through us, reach unto us. Hallelujah. Go ahead and talk in tongues. Go ahead and give him praise. Go ahead and worship his name. Go ahead and have faith in God. Go ahead and pray in the Spirit. Go ahead and pray without ceasing. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Because I want you to know, yes, the judgment of God will come. But that's not the end of the story. There is no end of this story. It go from glory to glory to glory. World without end. Everlasting joy. Everlasting love. Somebody lift your hands and lift a praise unto the Lord right now. Come on, lift a praise unto the Lord right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. All over this house, lift up a praise unto God right now. We worship you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what God gave us in this meantime? He gave us the operation of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. What do we do while we're waiting for the kingdom to come? We let the Holy Ghost minister to us and minister through us. We reach for as many people as we can find to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. I feel the moving of the Holy Ghost in this house right now. I feel the moving of the Holy Ghost in this house right now. Could you stand with me in this place and lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. Lift up your hearts and voices unto God. 
Aleluia, 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 aleluia. Oh, we bless your name, Lord. 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 Oh, let a praise rise up from your soul right now. Let a holy praise rise up from your soul right now. Oh, hallelujah. I'm opening up this altar. I'm opening up this altar for somebody. Somebody who maybe, maybe you see the similarities between this, this world and the world that Noah lived in. Maybe you see those similarities. I want you to come forward and say, God, I want to be saved. I want to be baptized in your name. I want to be filled with your spirit. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God. I want somebody who feels the vexation of this generation hovering over you. I want you to come forward and say, Lord, I believe, I believe in your salvation. I believe that your grace is sufficient. I believe, Lord, that you'll give me a perfect peace if my mind is stayed on you. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I want somebody that's been wrestling with the tempter. I want you to come forward right now and say, Lord, I'm giving you everything in Jesus' name. Somebody that's been wrestling with the enemy of your soul. Maybe he's trying to depress you or oppress you. Come forward right now. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord. You are the source.
Come on, make a new commitment to him. Make a new commitment to the Lord right now. Yeah.